our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. And just by way of review, we've been dealing just a little bit in our Sunday school classes uh, about the atonement as we look this morning at our great at the high priest in the Old Testament. Well, in the book of Hebrews, uh, the the Spirit of God has moved the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, to show us how much more superior and greater our Lord Jesus Christ is than Judaism or the Old Testament covenants, uh, the high priest in the Old Testament. That's my goal this morning is to show you that we have a great, a superior, a high priest this morning that is able to be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, one that is able to save, one that is able to save this morning. As we look at the book, we, we find in chapter number one that the writer of Hebrews compares our Lord Jesus Christ and shows how superior he is to the angels. Angels was a big topic item for the Old Testament. And, and then in chapter number two, he shows us how superior our Lord is even to the prophets of that day. And then in chapter number three, he takes on the lawgiver Moses and shows us that our Lord Jesus Christ is more superior, he's greater than even Moses. Chapters 4 through 6, he shows us the priesthood, how that our Lord Jesus Christ is so much more superior than those in the priesthood. Chapter 7 is where we'll pick up this morning as we look at how much greater, how superior, how, how more sufficient our Lord Jesus Christ is than the high priest, even the tabernacle and the sacrifices. And like I said, just by way of introduction, the Old Testament high priest was a limited thing. They were limited in their abilities to save. It don't matter how much desire they had to be able to save those who were outside while they were instituting the ordinance of the Old Testament. They didn't have the ability to do so. I've got the desire to do a lot of things in my life. I've got the desire to, to want to help sick people. But I don't have the ability to do that. I have the desire to want to help people with their finances. And, but I don't have the ability to do that. Whereas in the Old Testament, those high priests may have had the desires. They, they, no, no matter how sincere they was in their desires, they were still not able to save anyone. Our Lord Jesus Christ come with the ability and the desire to save. And that's what our, our text verse teaches us this morning. That He's able. He's able to save to the uttermost those that come unto God by Him. As we look at these passages of Scripture this morning and we think about the Old Testament high priest, I want you to see the Lord Jesus Christ as your only avenue of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've just got a good dose of religion, I hope today before you leave that the Holy Spirit of God will introduce you to my great Savior, my great High Priest, the one who makes intercession for me, the one who is seated at the right hand of God the Father right now, who is my mediator, who stands up in my case and tells my adversary that I'm not guilty, that I've been forgiven. Past, present, future, I've been forgiven. That's the Jesus that I want to introduce you into today is one that is able to save you and not only able to save you, but able to keep you Amen. saved. Alright? So let's get into the passage right now and let's see what the, the Lord says about these things. And there's about five things 
that I want to try to cover with you this morning, and I promise you, I won't keep you past 1230. How's that? <laughs> Miss Ann's done threatened me. So, Anyway, there's five things, and I'm going to try to do this rather briefly and quickly. But you know how Baptist preachers are. They'll tell you this is not going to take long, and about an hour later, here you go. So, the first thing we're going to look at this morning is who will be saved by this great high priest? Who will be saved by this great high priest? Then we're going to say, where that those who are saved, where they must go? Where they must go? And how can we get there? And then the fourth thing is our Savior, our high priest's ability to save you. And then the last thing we'll look at is the reason Jesus can save us. So the first thing we want to look at this morning is who is it that will be saved? And I think that everyone ought to be interested in that. Everybody ought to want to be, ought to be interested in who's going to be saved. And if you are one of those who will be saved, because it is evident this morning that not everybody is saved. So the Bible doesn't leave us to guess about this, but it tells us exactly who they are. And it's right here in this passage of Scripture. Like I said, it doesn't leave us to wonder. It doesn't leave us to speculate. But it tells us right out who they are who will be saved. Let's look at the passage. He says, Wherefore He is able also to save them. Them. Now, He doesn't use a proper name. He uses a pronoun. If He had said, God is able also to save the Baptists, well, that'd have been pretty clear. If you're a Baptist, then you can be saved. Or he didn't say if God, he is wherefore able also to save the Methodists or the Presbyterians. He doesn't save that. He doesn't use that proper name. He uses a pronoun to describe who they are, and he does it by characteristics. He tells us in characteristics who they are, who the them is in this passage of Scripture. When you look over into the book of Psalms, chapter number 15, you will find there that David, the king, had this same desire to know who was going to be in heaven and if he was one of them. But he doesn't give us if you're this, that, or the other. But it uses some characteristics. And let's turn over there really quick to Psalms, uh, chapter number 15. Or, or you can trust me to read it to you if you like. Psalms chapter number 15. And let's look at some of the characteristics of them. Those whom will be saved. Or who are saved, if you will. He says, Lord, in verse number 1, this is Psalm 15, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? What is he saying? He says, Lord, who's going to be in heaven? Who's going to dwell with you? Who's going to be there? Look at what he says. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes the vile person is condemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. So if you look at these things this morning, child of God, and you fit these characteristics, and you ought to praise God because He's worked a work in you. He has come to seek and to save you. But don't fool yourself. 
Don't fool yourself this morning into thinking it's what's written over the door of a church that will get you into heaven. Don't think this morning it's because of something that you have done or you have accomplished in your life in a good do uh, person that's going to merit you righteousness with God. As we look back and we think about the high priest in the Old Testament, those guys were kind of the upper echelon of religion. They were good people. But you know that they could not enter into the tabernacle without blood. As we studied in Sunday school class this morning, they could not go into the holiest of holies, into the presence of God, without the shedding of the blood of an innocent animal. They had to offer up the sin, that blood for their sins, before they could offer up that blood for the sins of the people. You cannot enter into the presence of a holy God in and of yourself. We have to have a great high priest that has interceded for us, that is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, who didn't take in the blood of bulls and goats, but He is in there with His own blood. you got to realize that this morning, and when you realize that, it's going to change your character. It's going to change who you are. Let me tell you something, child of God. If you say that you've been born again, that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and there hadn't been a change in your life, in your character, in who you are, you might want to check up. You might want to take a little inventory in your life. People say, well, I never take inventory. I don't think about things like that. A man that doesn't take inventory and look at his life and see where he's at in his walk with God, who does not do that is a fool. It is the greatest day's work you will ever do. Seeing if you fit these characteristics. If you, in fact, are one of the them that He is saved. Who will be saved? And you can know it? What? Yeah, you can know you're saved. Well, I didn't think you could know you're saved until you got to heaven. Wow, I'd hate to know it was, I was already in heaven before I knew I was saved. What a miserable life this would be. The book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You can have it right now in this present life. You can know that you're saved. I think that's a blessing. To have the confidence and the self-assurance that I'm saved this morning, not based on what I've done, what I've accomplished, or what I didn't do, but it's based on the work and the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like that high priest in the Old Testament who couldn't enter into the holiest of holies without the shedding of the blood. Folks, when I get to heaven... I am going to not stand up and say, Lord, aren't you glad you saved me? Don't you see what all I've accomplished for you? No, I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to give Him all praise and glory because it's because of what He has done that I'm there. Because of what He has done. There's a lot of things, folks. And, and I want to be careful. I want to show reverence. Because I know Billy Graham has done more work and has accomplished more things than I will ever do in my lifetime. I know that. There's a lot of things about Billy Graham that I really love. And there's some things that I didn't. But that's okay. I'm not his judge. I'm not his God. Not his Lord. But one of the grandest things 
that I ever heard Billy Graham say. He was preaching in front of 350,000 people in Germany. And Billy Graham made this statement. He says, you know, when I reach those pearly gates, so, so to speak, pearly gates, and I go up before St. Peter, and St. Peter asked me, he said, Billy, what gives you the right to enter this city? Billy Graham said, you know, I won't say I'm Billy Graham because that ain't going to matter. He says, I'm not going to say I'm Billy Graham the Baptist because that ain't going to matter either. He says, I'm not going to say that I'm Billy Graham the evangelist who has spoke to more people than any other man alive because that won't matter either. He says, I'm going to tell them, brother, that I am Billy Graham the sinner who's been washed in the blood of Christ and that's what gives me the right to be here. And that's what will give you and me the right to be in that city because of what he's done. The second thing I want you to listen to me about this morning is where we got to go. Where do we go to be saved? Well, the passage tells us. It's, it's plain. It tells us who will be saved, the them, and it tells us where them has to go. Look at what it says. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Those the them. Those that are saved. As much as I love my brother pastor here, Brother Todd. Brother Todd can't save me. You know, there's a lot of people that, uh, uh, and I know they're sincere, but they're uh, sincerely wrong, think that, well, you know, i got to go to the preacher. And, and that's a good place to start. But you've got to understand that me or Brother Todd or any other preacher, I don't care how big gun name they are, can save you. Some people say, well, you know, I've got, I got to go to the church. I've got to go to the church. Why? God can save you anywhere. What we've got to learn is where we must go to receive salvation. Those of them that are born again, those who are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, know that there is only one place they can go, and that's to God. They go to God. We come to the realization of what, what Jonah had, ex had experienced and learned, that salvation is of the Lord and only of Him. So if you're saved this morning, if you're one of the them this morning, you went to God. You know, people go to God for some of the Weirdest things. Well, you know, i got a test to study for, so I'm going to go to God. And then they lay their book aside. Well, i got a Sunday school lesson I need to teach, so I'm going to go to God, but they don't open their Bibles. You might as well go home and put it under your pillow and hope it could throw your pillow into your head. But they go to God. Folks, the main thing that we need to go to God for, the most serious thing that you'll ever go to God for, is the salvation of your eternal soul. And we got the promise on the authority of God's Word that they that have anyone that comes unto Him, He will in no wise cast them out. So if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you and telling you, I'm not one of the them, preacher. I want to know what I need to do. You go to God. And I'm going to tell you in just a few minutes how you can get to Him. How you can get to Him.
They go to God. Preachers can't save us. Going to church can't save you. Religion can't save you. You know, Satan don't really care how religious you get. He really don't. Believe it or not, he don't care how religious you get. Well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a three-time-a-week preacher. I don't, I don't miss a service. Well, good for you. Satan don't either. You hear what I said? Satan's probably the most faithful member we got. You're, you're probably sitting there right now listening to Brother Frank preach, and you're thinking, man, I need to go eat. Did I leave them beans on? I think I left them curlers plugged up. Anything to distract you from your worship of our Lord, He will do. Religion won't save you. Doing the best you can won't save you. Reading your Bible in and of itself, listen to me, folks. Don't, don't open the door and throw me out yet until you hear what i got to say. Reading your Bible in and of itself will not save you. Did you know that it is said that Adolf Hitler could quote the entire book of Psalms? Didn't do him a bit of good. Unless God meets you with this book, and His Holy Spirit opens up your heart and mind to it, it will do you no good. The them, they know that the only place they can go for salvation is God. Our great high priest, that's what he does. Third thing, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Appreciate that, brother. <laughs> now it's on you. <laughs> I told you I was going to tell you this. Those of them that is mentioned here in this passage of Scripture, they know who they have to go to, but there's a problem. We can't get to Him. John 6 and 44 says that no man can come unto me. No man can come unto me. Oh my, what am I going to do now? Well, if I stopped right there and didn't quote the rest of that passage, we'd be in deep trouble. He says, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. Draw him. How do we get to God? Listen to what he says. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him. To God by him. Who's the him? That's Jesus Christ my Lord. The only way that I can approach a holy God is through Jesus Christ. Now, let me go back and give you just a little bit of Old Testament high priest things here, okay? Because we're talking about our great high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest, as I told you earlier, in and of himself, he had some preparation to do before he could enter into the holiest of holies. And he couldn't do it just any time he wanted to. It was a day set aside, one day a year, that he could enter into the holiest of holies, and that was on the Day of Atonement. That was the only day. And he couldn't enter in then except he had the blood of an innocent animal and also a burnt offering. So when he come out, he, he had on, after he had go, let me, let me back up. Come on now, don't get in too big of a hurry. 
he'd go into the holiest of holies with that blood. He would take his finger and he would, he would touch every horn on the altar. And then he would take that blood and he would sprinkle that mercy seat. And then he would sprinkle the ground and the tent, the tent of meeting because it had been, uh, dilute, it had been polluted by the people you know, around him. So he had a lot to do, and he had a special way he had to do it. And then when he would come out with that blood-stained robe on, he would offer up that second animal as a burnt offering, showing his dedication to the Lord. He'd given it all his all. Well, let me tell you about my great high priest. When Jesus Christ entered into the holiest of holies, with his own blood, not with the blood of the bulls and goats that had been signified in types and shadows before, but with His own blood. The Bible says that when He entered in, the high priest would come out and he would take off those blood-stained robes and he would wash himself. And it would be another year before he could go into that holiest of holies. But the Bible teaches me that whenever Jesus went into the holiest of holies with His own blood, he sat down. He stayed there. You know why? Because His work was done. It never had to be accomplished again. That Old Testament high priest, year after year, he had bring that blood in because their sins was never completely forgiven. They were rolled forward. But Jesus, our great high priest, when He enters in, he takes us into the very presence of God. Whenever He died on the cross and He bowed His head and He gave up the ghost and He said it is finished and the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, that gave us a perfect picture of you and I now have perfect access through Jesus Christ into the holiest of all. Into the very presence and throne room of God. By Him. If you try to get there any other way, just like that high priest, if he had done one thing wrong, God would have killed him. You can't enter in on your own. I've said this before and I'll say this again, folks. A lot of people play church because they, you know, I don't know why, but they, maybe they're ashamed because they've been a member for so long or, and they don't want to make it known that they've been, you know, uh, deceived or whatever. But let me tell you something. And listen to me. Heaven's sweet. Hell's hot. Eternity's long for you to play games with your soul. If you're one of the them, you come to God and only Him. And you come to Him through the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get to it. If you try to come up some other way, you'll be the same as a thief and a robber. If you try to come in because of your good works and your religion, it won't work. Fourthly, I hope you're one of them this morning. And I hope if you're not one of them this morning, that the Holy Spirit of God is pounding your heart right now. Showing you that you need a Savior. That you need to go to God. And that the only way that you can get to God is through Jesus Christ. Let me give you some really, I've told you some really good news. There is, He's able. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. The fourth thing. 
is our high priest, our Savior's ability to save. Look at what it says here. It says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. His ability to save. It says here in the King James Version, the uttermost. Other translations I looked at, which is just as good, it says perfect. He can save you perfectly. In other words, God doesn't do anything halfway. He saves you completely. That means He saved you past of your past sins, your present sins, and whatever sins you may commit. He's, a, he's able to do that. And then He's going to save you for eternity. In other words, He's got the power to save you, and He's also got the power to keep you saved. You know, brother, if I thought for one moment that I had to keep myself saved, I'd, I'd lose out. If salvation, Jared, was 99 and 64, 100% God, and that other little bitty thing, me, I'd go to hell. But because it's 100% His finished work, His merit, His work, I can rest in the hope of Jesus Christ. That his death, his burial, his resurrection is sufficient to save even me. It, say, it says he saves us to the uttermost. In, in other words, it, he's able to save no matter the number. Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 9, the, apostle, the John the apostle says, after this, after the great tribulation, he says of the great multitude which no man could number of all nations, people, kindreds, and tongues, he says, who are these? And the angel tells him, he says, these are they who have made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So it's no, no number that he can't save. Their numbers don't matter. He can save to the uttermost. In all difficulties. You may be sitting there this morning, you may be saying, well, preacher, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. His blood is sufficient to save even you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. If you'll read Acts chapter 2, you will find there that the same people that were standing around His cross when He was crucified, that were shouting, crucify Him. He saved others, why can't He save Himself? Are the same ones on the day of Pentecost that God saved. What about the Apostle Paul who said he was the chief of sinners who stood by holding the coats of those who were stoning one Stephen to death who persecuted the church? He can save even you. doesn't matter where you've been, how bad you think you've been, or how good you think you are. You know, God saves good people too. We have in John's Gospel chapter 3 the record of a good man, Nicodemus. Oh. Yeah, he was a priest. Any Baptist church would have probably loved to have Nicodemus. Paid his tithes, faithful, good upstanding person in the community, but Nicodemus had a severe problem that a lot of people have. He was religious but lost. Lost as a goose. I serve a Savior today that is able to save from the uttermost to the gutter most. Doesn't matter where you've been. He can save you too. 
And then lastly, not only can my Savior have the ability to save, He can save in spite of time, place, it doesn't matter. The reason that Jesus, our high priest, can save us is that He ever liveth to make intercession for us. You see, the high priest in the Old Testament was limited. Just like Moses was limited, Aaron was limited, Joshua was limited, you and I are limited. You know what by? Death. It's said that the high priest would serve some, and they were appointed, and they they had to follow a certain family tree of the uh, tribe of Levi, but they had to be in the household of Aaron as they followed through as being the high priest. About 25 years of age, they would be priest until they was about 50. And then they would step down. But then they would die, and another high priest would have to be appointed. Well, you see, that differs in our great high priest. He's alive today. He's alive forevermore. And what he's doing right now is what he does every day for you and I. He intercedes. He mediates. Whenever our adversary comes to us and he accuses you, accuses me, Jesus Christ stands up and he says, Father, that one's one of mine. Put that on my account. What a, what a blessing that is to know that when I sin, and I do, whether it's a, a sin of omission or commission, whether it's intentional or unintentional, we all sin. So don't look at me like you've never done. Thank God Jesus Christ stands up and says, that's one of mine. I've paid their sin debt. They're mine. Because He's still alive. And He always lives to make intercession. If you're here this morning and you're not one of them, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You know something? God never saves anybody tomorrow. It's today. Today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you this morning, If the Spirit of God has showed you that you're not one of the them, I invite you today. I invite you today because my Savior is able. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, He's able to save even you.